0: Hi, welcome to That Reminds Me Of, a podcast about film and the films that remind us of that film. You're here with Baron and the Doc.
1: And the Maestro. Do we need another drink? Yes, we do. Yeah.
0: Baron, my friend. Doc, how are you? I'm very well and I'm extremely happy
1: to be at the capital again, but in a different location this time. Where are we? We're upstairs. This is the level three foyer or something. um, We're between the lift and the men's toilets (laughs) at the moment. It's prime location. Yeah, exactly where we belong. Yes, and the good folks at RMIT have allowed us to film here, so we're very grateful for that. Uh, we actually chose this spot because it's a little quiet, it's a little out of the way, um, although we will probably get interrupted a number of times while up here with people going to the toilets. Just gonna to have to live with that.
0: I can't wait to be interrupted. But <laughs> <Like, laughs> it, it's such a it's a mystery box. Like who are we gonna get through those doors? Who will when the elevator dings, who will it be? Do you know who it could be? Tell me. It could be Mark Leonard Winter. Mark Leonard Winter. Yes. Who's, <laughs> Who's that? He happens to be. Well, he is an actor come director who has directed his first feature film, and it is called The Rooster.
1: The Rooster. Yes. Uh, great new Aussie film. I would say in, maybe in the style of blue-tongue films, perhaps, you might, you might say. Um, but it's not. It's its own thing. Um, I think he produced it with his wife and some others. Yes. Yeah. Well, we saw it last night here at Miff, and it was another packed audience. I think that's just probably something we'd have to say anymore, right? Like every screening is a packed audience. Well, we're, the good ones are, and we've chosen the good ones. Maybe that's what it is. Yes. Yeah, um, I love it, man. When you when you go to a screening at a festival and it's brimming with people. The energy that you get from that is next level. It's something you don't get anywhere else. You don't get it in a megaplex. It's a festival thing.
0: I have a brief
1: moment where I don't want to sit so
0: close to people. Yes. Uh, And, you know, usually during Miff, it's really cold. Everyone's coughing. Um, Not so this time. We've had really good weather so far. Yes. Touch wood. Um, And I've just enjoyed, I think I'm over... You know the COVID isolation and really enjoying just
1: rubbing shoulders with everybody in my in my seats. Oh, in this festival, it's like COVID never happened. I know people are not concerned at all. I will say that the variety of cinemas that or theatres that we have converted theatres. That's a, that's the festival <laughs> way. Uh, provides you with a variety of comfort levels of seating. It does. So you're you're either right next to each other or you have yep. a little more space. Or you've got a chair that folds up and down with zero padding yeah. uh, or a very minimal leg room so that you've got your knees up around your ears. It's all part of the experience. I think there's a there's a comfort
0: axis and an atmosphere axis. Yes. And there's a sweet spot somewhere on there. <laughs> and the Capitol um, is pretty good at getting that sweet spot. Yeah, the Capitol is beautiful.
1: Yeah, I'm stoked that we got to film here. Yeah, this is great. And this is only one of a whole bunch of episodes we're going to do here at the Capitol. Uh, You can't see it, maybe you can see it in the wide shot. There's incredible carpet, very shining-esque. It's got this whole retro decor that I'm digging, amazing lighting, what's with this? I don't even know, but that's just a thing that you do at a a place like this. That reminds me of, uh, is it a Vincent
0: Price film, Uh, House of Horrors or something? The Haunting Uh, of Hill House? No, The the Haunting of Something, yeah. The Something about a hill and a house and hauntings. Yeah, yeah. where they filmed it, it was a real um, house. Maybe it was deco or something. I'm not very good at my yeah. my periods, but it was um, quite a thing, the house they filmed in. The house on Haunted Hill. That's it. That's the one. That's the one. It took a moment, we got there. <laughs> uh, anyway, so we're here today to talk about the rooster. Yep. And I'm very keen to hear what you thought about it. Should we start with synopsis?
1: Yes, please, and I think we are going to make tones, but can you do it? Can you do it this time? You're going to make me do it. Yes, please.
0: Well, it's just reading it out, and it's easy. So, the rooster, Hugo Weaving and Phoenix Ray play a hermit and a cop who form an unlikely connection amid crisis in this amid crisis in this wonderfully weird sucker punch of tenderness.
1: Oh, I don't like it when a synopsis tells you what to think about the film. You know, Ooh. like this wonderfully weird. No, just tell us what it's about we will decide if it's wonderfully weird or not.
0: Yeah, is I that, don't know. Is just well, th- me?
1: Yeah, I think it's, well, it's not just you. I'm sure some people would, ag- would agree. Actually, is that the myth synopsis or it's is the that the an Mif- IMDb? It's the myth Mif- Okay, that's a, that's a different category then. That's fine.
0: Yeah, because yeah. the myth synopsis, and I think they do a great job with the synopsis on myth. Yeah. Uh, it really tries to pick the, the words that are gonna get the, um, the right audience in. They're selling tickets as They're well. They're selling tickets. Huh. I, I think that's a, a good one. A wonderfully weird sucker punch of tenderness. I reckon that gets
1: straight... That's a sucker punch to the heart a of a sucker, film. A sucker... Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Agree. Agree. Um, that synopsis, mm-hmm. with the sucker punch, makes me think of Punch Drunk Love, which actually, not bad, as a potential reminds me of. Not where we were going, but anyway, that aside, let's talk about the film first. What were your thoughts, broadly? Well... It took me a while,
0: like it's a slow burn of a film and for, I, I don't know how long, 15 or 20 minutes, Yep. I was enjoying it, but um, I was sort of saying "Well, to myself, okay, well, what have you got? Where are you going? Uh, so I, I was just on the fence. Yep. And then Hugo Weaving arrived. <laughs>
1: I was going to say 15 or 20 minutes is how long it takes for Hugo Weaving to arrive.
0: To arrive. <laughs> yeah. And not, it was great before that, Yeah, um, but I just hadn't worked it out. Yeah. Hugo Weaving arrived and it just, his performance blew my
1: mind. I would say that um, up until the point that Hugo Weaving arrives, it's a little bit of a, I don't know what this film is. Is this going to be very depressing? Is it going to be one of those films that is a bit artsy and, you know, mm maybe doesn't get to the point, once Hugo Weaving arrives, I think you, you start to feel like, okay, this is going to resolve into something pretty interesting. Well, let's talk about, we'll, we'll get to Phoenix Ray as well in a sec because yeah. he was
0: e- equally good in a different yes. way, I would, would argue. But Hugo, I've always loved him. I think any Aussie loves Hugo Weaving, but I've never really seen such a amazing display of actorly delights Mm. as this performance like he he puts every aspect of his body into the performance when there's close-ups of his faces his his eyes his lips his sounds everything uh are working like an orchestra
1: to to bring us something amazing I think part of the reason why this this performance is so great is that he's been given a great role as well Mm. and it has allowed him like you say to explore a lot of emotions and a lot of nuance in emotions because his character's a little bit cracked. He's playing a guy who at any moment could just go left or right, veer off in a random tangent. And there's a lot of, built into the character, there's a lot of like hidden emotional things for him to mine, you know, lots of trauma Mm. from the past. So doesn't that uncertainty, not knowing which way he's gonna go, just
0: you, you feed off that as the audience. And even though it's a slow burn of a thing, uh, anything could happen at any stage. Uh, so it's, it's kind of exciting as well.
1: Controversial, but is it a thing for Australian actors at some point when they get to 60 something to grow a beard, wear a singlet, and just sort of let it all loose? Are you referring to me? To you, yes, yes. <laughs> Given my... <laughs> debut performance in Late Night with the Devil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, I was, I was thinking that we've seen, we've seen a number of Australian actors go that mm. route recently. Pretty much all of the greats sort of at a certain point, that's what happens.
0: Well, I think actors, actors are never shy for, for starters, but as they get older... The Hugo Weavings of the world seem to care less and less yes. about
1: you know, vanity. You know maybe the reason that's in my mind uh, to a large degree is that movie Rams, did you see that? Rams? Actually good. No. A friend of mine wrote it and it did quite well, it was in cinemas, had a big release yep. and yes it has Sam Neill in it doing a Hugo Weaving <laughs> <laughs> or vice versa. Aren't they both great? Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> okay. Well, Phoenix Ray, what did you think of
0: him? Well. He was, he was great, but he was more um, subdued and hard to latch onto in the, in the first instance. But, so when we saw it, we, we saw at the benefit of getting the interviews at the end. So Mark Leonard Winter and a lot of the main cast, including Hugo and Phoenix, were up there. And Phoenix talked about how he'd been, forgotten, of, forgotten if it was how he'd been asked to play the role or just how he played it and it was kind of not to bring anything to it just mm. to be a i don't that, that sounds like it's <laughs> you know not great but it really was great he's like a the proxy for us as an audience i thought so we can just experience the movie through him and he was he was just
1: wonderful in it but gave us some space to kind of live it as well it sounded to me like because he came right off the back of a tv show in the in the us it Mm. sounded to me like he didn't actually have a lot of time to prep for it wasn't given any rehearsal time i think he met Mm. he met uh, hugo weaving the day of filming or the day before or something like that so he was probably forced into this a little bit but i think he was emotionally intelligent enough to go actually I don't really have that choice, so I'm gonna come at it as like an open vessel and Mm. sort of take in what's happening. Which is, for this role, kind of a perfect choice because like you say, the audience experiences the whole film through his eyes Mm. and we're all there going, what is happening? And that's what he's doing at the same time. And it, it kind of works on that level. Yeah, well you say what is happening, it's
0: things are happening to him. Right, yes. So from the very outset, without giving things away, things are happening. To him, and he's just having to absorb that, and you can feel them being absorbed into into him, and and perhaps by him not um, giving away too much, you you feel that tension, and then there's there's a few uh, points where he he does explode into you know emotion, usually with Hugo weeping, and because of Hugo Hugo Weaving's character.
1: Um, I, I agree. Yeah. yeah, I think you know he's not a very now that you put it that way he's not a very active character which you know is probably part of the reason why he has less I feel like as a performance he has less to work with mm. um, it's not just the fact that he's taking the audience on on the journey but he is just things like things are just happening to him he's mm. not really making a lot of strong choices throughout most of the film and normally I would say that's a bit of a like a bit of a negative and maybe that's one of the weaker points of the film, but I think, for what this film is, and the fact that you're spending so much time just in awe of what Hugo Weaving's doing, it's okay that he has a less active role.
0: But also, there, there are points that he he does get exuberant, yep. and that's all the more exciting because we're not used to it with his character. Mm. So I think that the dynamics of how he how he changes at moments you know, is, makes for good, uh, a good
1: character arc. We've raved about the actors a little bit. I think this is very, a very solidly directed film as well. Mm-hmm.
0: The, the direction from Mark Leonard Winter was just superb. Yeah, Like it's like it, you could just tell it was a very singular vision that he had and was allowed to explore it. So that, that's probably the unusual thing yeah. that someone well, maybe, maybe people did come in over the top on certain decisions, but it doesn't feel like that. It feels like this was the film that he wanted to make and he, and he got to make it and he got to have Hugo weaving in it and he got this amazing location, which I think is his neighbourhood where he lives. Yeah. Um, uh, so really credit, credit to him. I hope we can have him on the podcast one day. Totally
1: credit to him. He... To pull this up, you can tell it's a very personal story, and in the mm. Q&A afterwards, he, he talks about that. Like, this is something very close to him. It's based off of his own experiences to a degree. Yeah. And so, you know, to be able to, to make that film that you want to make without people talking you out of it is, is huge. I think that's huge. And he's done it, and he's done a great job of it.
0: OK, well, well this show isn't called Talk About Random Things About a Film. It's called no. That Reminds Me Of. Yep. So why don't we start talking about the other artworks
1: that it reminded us of? Yes, indeed. Let's, while I get my very slow-reacting iPad. to. (laughs) There we go, got it. So um, do you want to go first or shall I? Um, I want you to go first. Okay, so I was reminded of a film called
0: The Peanut Butter Falcon. Which I've heard of, but I've not seen. So
1: please explain. Sure, starring Shia LaBeouf and Zach Gottsagen who is a delightful fellow with Down Syndrome. It's a story set in the south in the US, absolutely beautiful and it follows the journey of Shia LaBeouf's character who's a bit of a down and out vagrant you know on his way from one place to another um, who comes across this other fellow who has Down syndrome and has run away from home and is obsessed with uh, wrestling. And the two of them just bond and become best mates and it becomes Shia LaBeouf's character's mission in life to, to get this fella to a wrestling camp of sorts, like to learn from the best. And so, and it's almost kidnapping basically, <laughs> what he's doing. But the two of them have this great interplay and um, it's all about male, maleness in a world that's very complicated. Um, and their love of each other is very uncomplicated. They're just best mates. So it's another, another buddy film. Yeah.
0: If we trace the history of our podcast, yeah. I think we'd find quite a few buddy films,
1: <laughs> Absolutely. maybe this is a buddy podcast, right? It is a buddy podcast. It is a buddy podcast. We are buddies and our affection is carrying this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you,
0: that one makes me think of rain man as well yeah there you go um, yep. two two blokes you know one one with a, a disability but both bringing them you know, different things to the relationship yep
1: 100 percent
0: that was just a bonus that's not my first one great should I go yes please uh, well my first one is another film that we've both seen and reviewed and it's the stranger mm. remember that one yeah I do so first of all that's uh, written and directed well, at least directed, I think it's written too, by Thomas Michael Wright, who is another uh, actor tri- with a triple barrel name. Yeah, <laughs> So totally. that's the first thing that's similar. Um, and actually does direct with Blue Tongue, ah, who I referenced earlier. There you go, that's yep. why this yep. one feels like a Blue Tongue film. Yep. So The Stranger, uh, again, two blokes, one's a cop, same as um, same as the rooster, mm. and the other is a criminal type with some personal issues. So without giving too much away, he's some, somewhat of a stand-in for Hugo Weaving. E- eccentric, uh, you don't know what he's thinking, you don't know what he's guilty of. Misunderstood. Misunderstood. Um, and you're forced through that relationship to have some tenderness for both, both characters and to, to really kind of see the relationship from both of their points of view and I think it's just it's more complicated than you know maybe um, uh, some some random buddy cop movie
1: (laughs) yeah that's that's what this film is as well
0: yeah and we're seeing more of that aren't we more complicated buddy movies
1: yes particularly around male connection or friendship Mm. like there's I yeah for too many years we've had like that trope of Yeah, like what a buddy cop or buddy film is, you know, like two very masculine men and their relationship is that, you know, so now there's just more and more of these films coming out where it just reflects the fact that the relationship between men is often more complicated than that. I wonder if it's life
0: influencing art or art trying to influence life. Like have men come Mm. as far So these are rugged men. These are real. These are Aussie men. Yeah, that's Um, right. (laughs) Have Aussie men come as far as this film suggests, or is it the more sensitive filmmakers who are portraying what they would like the rest of us to to aspire to?
1: Yeah. no I would say it's maybe that, but I would say it's, in my opinion, more likely the more sensitive filmmakers saying, No, 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 guys. They're (laughs) actually. There, there's, there's depth there that you're not seeing. Like these rugged Aussie men actually yes. are pretty, you know, pretty sensitive underneath all of that, you know, like check it out. Look at these guys. I think it's a little bit of that and it's in response to all of the, all of the sort of wokeness that's going on, yeah. all of the toxic masculinity films that are happening, um, which have their place. But I feel like this, you know, there's a bit of pushback coming as well. Like, you know, yeah. Not all not all blokey blokes are actually that bad, maybe. Well, and and the good thing about the rooster
0: and and the stranger, but in particular the rooster, is you see that transformation, don't yep. you? Like you're not presented with two sensitive guys. Yeah. You're presented with one who's kind of in himself the cop and you know repressed and struggling and can't express himself and lonely. Um, and there's, there's, there's some growth there. Yeah. Uh, and Hugo Weaving likewise is a basket case. Um, yeah. And well, let's, let's not get into wh- how he grows. We'll give,
1: we'll give away too much. All right. Second one for me. Second one for you. So I'm going to talk about a film that we've seen here at this festival, Biosphere by Mel Eslin. So we haven't got the episode out yet. It will be coming, but Uh, Biosphere stars Mark Duplass and Sterling K. Brown. It's set in a sort of post-apocalyptic setting where the two men who created the end of the Earth situation, wiped out all of civilization, are now stuck in a biosphere together, which they built. Um, One of them's the president, Mark Duplass. The other one's his advisor and the the smart one of the two, basically. And uh, it sort of just shows what happens to them and their relationship when their food source runs out and they realize they're sort of faced with the fact that they might not be able to survive indefinitely in this place. And other weird, crazy stuff happens in this film, which we're not gonna get into. That one is very much a film about toxic masculinity, but exploring it like this film with a bit more of a subtle eye. It's like, Mm. well, what, what actually is going on behind those relationships and what happens to men when they're over time, when their relationship starts to change and become a bit more intimate. And, you know, it's not just about masculine stuff. So within this festival, we have a a great companion set of the Rooster and Biosphere. Like if you watch those back to back, you would get a really interesting take, two takes on that like masculine relationships. It's incredible
0: when you, you watch things in close proximity, you inevitably start to make connections, yeah, don't you? true. That, that's why so often we'll mention films yep. that we've reviewed or you know, watched, watched recently because um, you can find overlaps in almost everything. I think this one, Biosphere and Rooster have obvious overlaps, yep. um, but even in, in weird, weird stuff, I can think of other, other films that we'll probably cover in future episodes. Second one for you, Doc. Second and final one for yes. me is The Fisher King by Terry Gilliam. Uh, wow, I haven't seen it for many, many years, but I, I, I remember the the crux of it, um, and it's Jeff Bridges is this guy who's super confident, and uh, he's a DJ, and he causes um, causes the some deaths. So he's got this thing on his conscience, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then he meets this we can give spoilers about references? Surely, yeah, absolutely.
1: Can't we? I mean, we're only not giving spoilers about the festival films because they're so fresh and they're not even in cinemas yet around the world. Yeah. yeah.
0: So he he meets the Fisher King who is Robin Williams. And Robin Williams is was previously a professor or, or some, something like that, but had a tragedy occur in his life. It happens that um, Jeff Bridges was inadvertently responsible for it mm. just as a side thing. Um, and he's just gone into sort of his own little world of mania. Um, he's kind of like a he's, a, he's a Don Quixote character and the film really mirrors Don Quixote. Hmm. Yeah, um, cool. So again, you've, just, you've got the the guy on his own journey, depressed, guilty, meeting this eccentric character and between the two of them, they kind of work off each other and help save their worlds
1: beautiful it's been i think i don't remember when i saw that film maybe i was like 10 years old or something so i need to revisit it actually what kills me how many films there are that we saw Mm. years and years ago that you remember were great but you just like how are you going to have the time to catch up on all those old great films plus all of the new great films that are coming out anyway that's on the list
0: and my memory of it is probably faulty so forgive me viewers if if I've got that wrong, but
1: <laughs> I think that every time I'm talking about an old film, I'm like, I'm giving this synopsis based off a, a probably very flawed memory, thirty-year-old memory. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but hey, we don't do research. What are you talking about? <laughs> There's one one thing that
0: I do remember from the Fisher King, that that is a bit similar though. Is the maybe this is just Terry Gilliam rather than just yep. that film? But the cinematography um, is quite. Unique, very very chaotic. Um, I think that is a Terry Gilliam yes. thing, isn't it? So I'm you've sorry. got different angles where you're you're always always made to feel uneasy. Yeah. And that, for the Fisher King, is kind of representing the the mind mindset, the state of mind of the of the characters. Because they're kind of nut jobs, right? Or
1: well, one of them is right. The Fisher King
0: is. Well, one of them's a nut job, and the other is sort of in his own turmoil as mm. well. So very yeah. similar to the to the rooster and likewise with the rooster some of the shots like when i'm picturing the tops of the trees where you're looking up yep and the trees are sort of swaying and as an audience member you are feeling uneasy and you're 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 feeling like you are in a um, in the headspace of of Phoenix Ray yes who is you know going
1: through a difficult time he's basically unmoored completely Mm. he's left his job he's in the middle of the wilderness he's shacked up with a with a homeless person or a hermit essentially yeah um and they're just being crazy together in the in in the wild unmoored is just a perfect description that's exactly how he feels he's he's got nothing to hold on to and how weird is it when and it's handled well in the film when he puts his cops uniform back on yeah you, you get a real sense of you're no longer seeing the man as a free, unmoored, untethered kind of person. He's suddenly got this like heavy weight back on him. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting.
0: Well, I'm feeling the heavy weight of how many more episodes we're doing in myth <sighs> yes. So I think we better close this one out. Short
1: and sharp. Short and sharp. That's what we've tried to do. Which is probably not. What do we got? 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Minus a few with edits. We'll be all right perfect. <laughs> now, I love
0: this one. We need to get some hilarity in the episodes back. Um so, yeah. so let's
1: hopefully get some some um so far the films have been relatively heavy. Uh <laughs> and I think we've got more of them to come. So I'm hoping there's some light comedy uh even just some weird quirky stuff just to just to mix it up a bit.
0: Yeah. Great. Right. Anyway, oh, one last thing. Yeah. Mark Leonard Winner, I was just about to give him another you know rap, yeah, um, but in the screening it was such a nice moment uh, when I think we both yeah we both went to the bathroom halfway yeah halfway through because we would have been both both tanked as usual <laughs> um, and there and there he was, I think it was the at least the Australian premiere probably the world premiere I think I think it was the world premiere it was, and he was uh, outside the the door um, basically in a praying position, looking through the window, and he was so. You could, you could tell he was so enthusiastic and nervous about how it, would be, um, yeah. how it would, would be received. And I can say with some confidence
1: that it was received beautifully as well as he could have hoped. When they, when they say that this is a filmmaker's baby, hmm. he really did remind me of like the expectant father <laughs> just waiting outside <laughs> the door and hoping yeah. this <laughs> baby would be delivered and people would be happy with the result. It was beautiful. Actually when I when I when <laughs> I went to come back in, yeah.
0: um he, he was there and said, Stop, stop, stop. Uh, because he was watching a scene and we then watched for just a couple of seconds this the scene together. I think it was the nude scene.
1: And he didn't wa- <laughs> oh that's great. And he didn't want you to create a distraction as you were walking in for the audience. Is that why? Was he saying just wait a second? Oh, maybe then, that was and it. And then he was letting you know when it was safe to go
0: in. Maybe that was it. I was wow. I was sort of half hoping that it was just so we could share that moment <laughs>
1: okay. of watching it together. Could have been it. Either. Behind the, behind the doors. Beautiful. Well, um, that is another Myth film that people need to go see. Uh, it's an Australian film. Support it. And should we wrap it up? Wrapped up. Wrapped up. All Co- right. See you at the next one.